Um, so, John, a few Texans items, and we'll get to some for real or fugazis for a Monday episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. Um, it, on the heels of an interview by um, our good friend Mark Berman of Fox 26 out at the Fairchild Workout Facility, the headline, clowny, quote, um, I forget what it was, open to coming back to the Texans, something about Jadeveon Clowney returning possibly to the Texans uh, on the heels of Berman interviewing him out at that workout facility. Uh, I guess let's start there. What do you do? You, do you think there's any chance that Jadeveon Clowney becomes a Houston Texan on a short-term deal? He said that his agent had spoken to him. That doesn't mean his agent has not called him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't see it. When they re-signed Jacob Martin, I couldn't understand it. You know, their biggest weakness on defense was run defense, and that was Clowney's specialty. And he bounces around like a mercenary. He doesn't spend time in off-season program. I'd sign Clowney if you could work out a deal financially because he would come in and help the run defense. And he's not a problem. You know, O'Brien just didn't like him. That's why they, they made him a contract offer. You couldn't pay two defensive ends $100 million. And they were already paying Watt that. I think they offered him $75 million. He turned it down. Should have taken it in retrospect. But I'd love to see Clowney back there. I don't know why they signed you know, re- brought back Jacob Martin, but they're just stockpiling veteran defensive linemen because it's such an important position. But uh, maybe when we talk to D'Amico on Tuesday, we'll ask him about that possibility. He'll say, we're always doing whatever he can if we think it's going to help the organization. Yeah, to make the team better. Um, J- John, what do you make of Clowney and the way things ended with him in Cleveland, where at the end of the season, he was literally sent home from the facility because of uh, – some feelings he had about how he was being used that he shared with Mary Kay Cabot of cleveland.com. And he made a mistake of bringing Miles Garrett into it. Yeah. You know, their, their best player. And uh, so that got him a bunch of negativity from the media fans and people in his own organization. He was very uh, positive about the Browns when he was talking to Mark Berman while he was working out. And uh, I don't think the Texans would hold that against him. They haven't held it against D'Amico that he sued him, have they? Nope. And uh, I think if they believe Clowney would help them, they'd sign him. And I think Clowney could help their run defense. You know, he's never a great pass rusher. He's never going to be a great pass rusher. But, you know, if he could play the run and maybe get five or six sacks, uh, boy, have him there with Will Anderson Jr., Jerry Hughes, and – and Jonathan Grenard is in the last year of his contract, and I bet he stays healthy. That would would bolster the the uh, outside uh, edge rushers. Yeah, that's a that. I mean, you when you lay it out that way, John, like a quartet of defensive ends in this defense. That's Will Anderson, John Grenard, Jerry Hughes, and Jadeveon Clowney. That's that's a pretty solid group. I mean, I, we're making a lot of assumptions with Will Anderson that <laughs> it's going to click right away, and obviously he's got a ton of potential. Um, he hasn't taken a snap in the NFL yet, but but, but if we're gonna if we're gonna use his potential as a reason to either get excited or not get excited, that obviously is a very exciting thing, potential wise. Um, so you would sign Clowney, huh? I would sign him in a heartbeat. Okay, he was not a problem off the field. You know, he was no James Harden. Uh, he just he was always like a playful kid. You know, Brian used to drive him crazy, so he yeah. couldn't wait to trade him. Yeah, I think that's too one of those things you got to trust in D'Amico. Like if they sign him, then I trust that D'Amico Ryan's has done all the the background work, talked to Clowney. I think there's probably going to be a pretty high level of respect from Clowney for D'Amico, maybe, you know, as opposed to 
Kevin Stefanski or Bill O'Brien or guys like that, right? A former player from the South. Um, so that would be, I'm, I, I'm, I'm with you. It would, you know, it'd certainly be an interesting topic for sure. The number one overall pick from a decade ago, uh, coming back here to, uh, to try to help the franchise get back on track. Um, you mentioned Jacob Martin. He gets signed. Is I think I saw John Crumpler from the, who does the USA Today Texans corner of the universe. I thought he put it best, John. Jacob Martin coming back on a one-year deal. It is it, it is kind of symbolic of where the Texans are maybe right now talent-wise that two years ago when Jacob Martin was here, the conversation was, can he lead the Texans in sacks? This year, he gets signed in 2023, and the question is, is he going to make the team? That's probably yeah. a good sign of things, right? That, that didn't float my boat at all. And yeah. Tell you another thing I heard, and uh, that in the training camp or started training camp in 2020, when they were coming off the playoff season, before they went straight down the toilet and O'Brien got fired, that O'Brien called Clowney to see if he might be interested in coming back. Clowney said, "Hell no." Really. That's so, so this is uh, th- this is coming off of 2019. So that would have been Clowney's season in Seattle, coming out of that into the COVID year in 2020. Yeah. Wow. He had no interest in coming back and playing for Bill. Interesting. Well, well I, boy, I guess so. Bill, the guy who traded Clowney months before that, I guess what's the motivation that maybe he felt like he could get him for a whole lot less money that time around because he went to Seattle and still didn't put up more than nine sacks in a season? Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I don't have it. I don't know, but he just wasn't interested. He wasn't coming back. Yeah, that's well, I, I get that. <laughs> it's like people, I saw all that speculation, DeAndre Hopkins to be traded in New England. I'm thinking the last place he'd be going would be New England because there's no way he would play for Bill O'Brien. God, is John who would play for Bill? Like those are like Bill, Bill scorched some earth on the way out, didn't he? Was it always that way with Bill while he was here with players or like from the get go, or was it once he became the GM too? Those are just the two players. And Clowney, yeah. if he'd have taken that offer of 75 million, might have been 85. I can't remember. Yeah. Now he would have signed a long term deal. Yeah. But, uh, but Hop, it used to drive O'Brien crazy that he wouldn't practice. Even though he played every Sunday, yeah. it used to drive him crazy because Bill's one of those guys that didn't want to have different rules for different players. Yeah. You have to if you're going to coach in the in the NFL. And it just drove him nuts. Mm, interesting. Um, so, John, OTAs started today. Um, you'll be out there tomorrow. I'm going to try to get out there tomorrow. It starts at 945 when my show begins. So maybe try to get out there for the tail end of it, but you're going to get your long awaited media session with CJ Stroud. Are you going to get first question, John? Do we know? No, I don't have any idea. If you do, what is your first question? They hand me the microphone and, and tell me to ask a question. My first question is going to be about his meeting with Tom Brady Hmm. and, uh, and uh, uh, three people. He went to LA, he and the other four, other three first round quarterbacks and it was who's the guy? The guy that has one of the gambling national. Michael, gambling. Michael, Michael Rubin is the head of fanatics.com. Fanatics.com. They were yeah. at his house. Travis Scott was there. Not exactly sure what Travis Scott advice he was giving him, but Brady talked to him about a lot of things. And I want to know what he talked to him about, even though we've seen a video they put out mm-hmm. and uh, what he thought he learned from Brady. Mm-hmm. Um. And then uh, what are you hoping to see at uh, at OTAs? Uh, nobody get hurt. 
Yeah. Only thing only thing OTAs are for because you can't there's no pads you can't hit. You patty cake every once in a while is the mental part. And when you have a new head coach, new offensive and defensive coordinators, that mental part is extra, extra important. Do, how they teach it and then how they learn it. Yeah. Do you, is there anything to OTAs and the combinations of players are using in certain things and stuff like that? I mean, obviously there's a ton of time between now and the season, but does it give you a window into how the coaching staff views this team from a depth chart standpoint at this stage at least? No, I don't, I don't, we won't see a depth chart and they'll move them around so much out there to try to keep us from doing that exact thing. And you know how much coaches will use the V word. They love versatility. Versatility. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, I want to see John Mechie since he's coming off more bad, bad luck than just about any player I've ever seen counting his, his torn ACL and SEC championship game, then leukemia. I want to watch to see how he runs, how he cuts, how he catches passes. You know, you can't tell anything about the linemen now. And even though there's nobody covering the receivers and nobody rushing, you still, when they throw the ball down the field, you want to see guys make the catch and show good quick hands, strong mm-hmm. strong hands. And so I'm eager to see Xavier Hutchinson, Tank Dell. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see Tank Dell when he gets on the field for real.